this is Harry, Ollie, Mikey and Jamie from the Saints Score. We're on Voice FM as well as your regular podcasting platforms for the next hour talking everything Southampton. And then what better way to start than the Everton game? But before that, Mikey and Jamie, this is your first time on the radio. Obviously, me and Ollie have been here before. How do you feel? It's an honour, to be honest, and a privilege mm. to be here on this platform. Great yeah, stuff. same same sort of feelings to Jamie. Yeah, it was yeah, very uh, Ollie, exciting. Ollie, you're back again. Are you, are you happy? I'm seasoned professional, mate. <laughs> of course I am. I'm always happy to be on the radio. Always be happy to talk and talk about Saints as well. You know. Yeah. Love well, it. sadly, we can't talk about a win for the first game of the season. It was at Everton at Goodison Park. It was a three-one loss, and it's it's very upsetting. But we're not bottom of the league. We're still outside the relegation zone. And let's talk about the game. Look at the starting eleven, guys. What are your start? What were your thoughts at the time? I was quite confused, to be honest, because there's a lot of um, squad rotation going. I don't think anyone was really expecting, like seeing the likes of Kedopi not even making the squad, and it turns out it wasn't even from injury. It was mainly just from um, liver, something like that. Liver mental, just God. being, God. just being good, and yeah. just making arguably one of our greatest influences, Cole Peters, out the squad. Was he not on the bench? No, no he, he was. He was on the bench. To be fair, he was on the oh, bench. Oh. But I, um, look at the, look at the <laughs> other Sorry. players. Yeah, I know he's, he was there. Bednarek wasn't there. Mikey, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I mean. If people are coming from the podcast, they know my views on Benderek. I, I was I was quite happy to see Jack Stevens in there. I thought he had quite a good preseason, and especially because Benderek only had a did he only play a game? I think I'm pretty so, sure yeah. he, he only played the game away to Swansea, I believe, in preseason. So whether he had enough of a preseason or enough of a break is another point you could bring into that. But I was quite. I was quite like Jamie in the fact that I was just quite surprised on the 11 that we went with. It wasn't the 11 that everyone was expecting. I think with McCarthy and goal, I think people were expecting Forster. I think Armstrong being like Stuart Armstrong being dropped, Nathan Redman being dropped. I don't think people were expecting Teller not in the starting 11 either. I think it was a surprise, but it was it was more of like an excitement more than a disappointment in the fact of how is this team actually going to do? Yeah, I mean, Oli, do you share similar thoughts? Um, as much as I started to see Livermento right back, because I really enjoyed watching him play uh, in the Bilbao friendly, I was also kind of concerned that it's quite a big step up for an 18-year-old. I know he's got bags of quality, but it's quite a big ask for him to play against. I can't remember who on the left-hand side for Everton. I think, it, I think he, he had the Charleston, didn't he, on the right side? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. that's quite a baptism of fire, isn't it? I mean... It's, it's quite a lot of it, and I just thought Walker Peters has that has that knowledge of that back four a lot more. I just thought it'd be better to kind of play it safe and play the players that know well how to play the system and that work to, well together. It was funny because Ralph's always talked about how long it takes players to learn the system, yet Livermento has a good 45 minutes in a friendly, and then he's like, bang, you're going straight in the team. So it's nice to see him rewarding players that have played well, but also I thought he'd stick to his normal topic of saying you have to learn the system and it takes a while to learn the system so I was a bit confused by well, that as well yes. with that logic though, I was surprised that Arms, Adam Armstrong went straight into starting line without even a match prepared I think mm. the mm, Tellers like had a really good pre-season but then he comes well, straight in Jamie we're on I the same wavelength if you listen to the preview I did say that exact same thing I didn't think Armstrong would be ready for the weekend <laughs> Harry did think he was and uh, Harry won the uh, the battle of the, the preview I guess Sorry, Mikey. I guess, yeah, just I think it it comes down to not only like it comes down to the adaptability of the player. Adam Armstrong played similar pressing football at Blackburn, so he already sort of knows how to press and how to like influence the game by by pressing the ball. And you could tell that he knew what he was doing with his press as well because of how he pressed with Adams as the front two. I thought it looked it looked all right. Not complete, like not how Danny and Adams, Danny Ings and Adams sort of play together. Um, but you could tell that there was some sort of partnership forming, especially off the ball, maybe not on the ball. With Liveramento, I think he's quite an intelligent player. I think you can see that with the way that he plays and he's quite adaptable as well because he can play at left back, right back. He can play on both sides of the wings as well. So he, he knows how to play multiple positions, which is basically what you've got to do to be able to play this system is you've got to know because at some point you won't be playing at right back or you won't be playing at left back or 
defensive midfield you could be playing anywhere so you've got to be adaptable to that so because Livermento's adaptability he probably could slot in a little bit better unlike a um oh Borgia who's the other guy we loaned him from Chelsea because he's played as a number nine his entire career and he hasn't has that adaptability of playing elsewhere so that could be one of the reasons why Livermento started and so did Adam Armstrong instead of like some of the other lot mm-hmm. Yeah, I think physically, Liveramento offers quite a bit more as well. He's not he's not a really tall guy, but he's taller than Kyle Walker-Peters. And that battle with Richarlison, it, it was a really interesting one. You know, when, they, when they're on the right-hand side, or my right, their left, quite obviously, I, I loved watching them on that side take that battle. And to be fair, most of the time, Liveramento did win. And with the, the Armstrong and um adams thing up front i think there's a there's a difference between yes not maybe knowing the system perfectly but i think armstrong as we've seen by what we'll go on to of the unbelievable finish that he has has finishing ability like no one other no one else sorry in the squad you know you look at adams you look at teller you think do you there's a bit of ability there to finish the ball off you know adams has struggled the first two years in you know that sort of xg thing that people debate about and maybe should have finished off a few more teller's a bit more unknown we don't know because he's only had a like quite a small sample of games so i think that's that's probably why but i think apart from that i think everyone else we sort of expected the mccarthy forced a battle we sort of knew that was a 50 50 i i said forced i think ollie said forced in the preview as well but none of neither of us said it with great confidence it was a very 50 50 but every other position by war prowse as well i thought war prowse would start ollie wasn't too sure but i knew he'd be in there i knew he wouldn't want to miss uh, miss a game so yeah not much happened up until the opening goal Adams took the ball off of Keane. He sort of, sort of half slotted slash tackled it towards Armstrong, and running in on goal, he puts it top corner. The away fans went mental. How did you guys feel when it hit the back of the net? I just couldn't believe it, really. Because I think um, um, Pickford positioned himself so well, got up to the ball so fast, made himself big. I thought, oh, never mind. We'll try it go again another time. No, Armstrong just slots it just over his um. I mean, his left hand go top bend. I can't it, honestly, it looked like it was on. going over. It looked like it was going over <clears> my anger. I thought it was going to hit the bar or get, yeah. Mikey, Ollie, what, what were your feelings? Because I was in dreamland at that very moment in time. I think, I mean, I think so, poked is the technical term. You know, if Adams poked mm. it through to Armstrong, yeah, I, I think that's, one, that, yeah. that, that, that's probably quite <laughs> good. Um, yeah, the finish is unbelievable. I think you you always we've we've had a couple of strikers in the past. I mean, you look at Adams and how long it took for him to start scoring. Like we've had a couple of strikers who've come in and just not scored a lot of goals, and then that doesn't keep your confidence high because we've obviously brought him in to keep score goals. That's what a striker wants to do. So to him get off the mark in the first game and like the quality of the goal as well oh. being like top corner perfect like positioning as jamie said pickford did a lot right in what he was doing so you can't really even blame the goalkeeper for it it was just a fantastic finish and like i mean you've had the confidence but there's always the thought in the back of the mind of maybe everton well not maybe everton will probably get chances to get back into it it just depends on how the rest of the game flows ollie yeah I was just going to say that it reminds me of... Do you remember Gabardini's first game down at St. Mary's? And we bought the no, money for Striker. No. Oh, okay. Pick me up on my pronunciation. No worries. So I have um, to pronounce it. <laughs> okay. Uh, he put it near post against... Must have been West Ham, I think. And that elation from the crowd when it went in, it was almost that relief of, oh, we've got a goal scorer finally. And I don't know what it was like in the way end. Obviously, Harry, you were there. What was it like? Oof. Was it going mental? I think it's it's amazing when a player scores in his debut because you everyone's excited to see that player. They've not seen him before, at least not in a, a Saints shirt. You see them warming up and the brilliance of the game beforehand is because of um, it's sort of still separated during the pandemic. So people, one team trains in the actual home dressing room and obviously that's going to be Everton and one of them changes somewhere else. The, the players were coming out next to the way ends, like the Saints players. So it just built up the atmosphere built up the emotion and when he just puts that top corner especially as a debutante opening day of the season 
it was it was electric and i think it was just the feeling of having fans back in the stadium one thing that i loved being at goodison park for was just because it was a sellout crowd everton really passionate fans although they may not have shown it till their opening goal because i think we scored quite early which which silenced the majority if not all of the crowd it really gave us a lift it was just that sort of togetherness you know it's us against you and it was it was fantastic although it didn't last as long as all of us would have hoped it was it was a, it was fantastic in that moment we did go into half time with that one goal lead how did you guys feel going into that because you know we were, we we're still in the ascendancy i know everton had a few chances but you know if you got the lead it's, it's something to keep yes <laughs> yeah it, it it was um it was nice to have the lead going into the second half you you always want the lead it means that you've got a good chance of you know winning the game overall so yeah you, you want that and i mean going into the second half you, you're just thinking don't concede in the first what yeah 10, that's 15 exactly minutes what... <laughs> that's exactly what happened we only lasted two um and yeah. it was a it was a poor goal to give away as well I think it's as soon as they got that opening corner, I think the first of the two, I think, I think there was a corner straight after their first one. It just sort of felt like, you know, that after half time sort of feeling, if you immediately get a corner, they're going towards the, uh, just their fans. Like it was just the wall of their fans. It's They sort of sucked the ball into the goal. It was just a looping ball. And sadly, Salisu didn't deal with it. Do you feel like that's something that Saints really knew he needs to source out only because it feels like a lot of our goals do come from that sort of, individual error that gives the other team a chance back in the game yeah we've been caught out a lot in in past seasons by individual errors and by um by us making mistakes for goals and you could tell that i mean no one shouted for it you could sort of tell that no one shouted for it or no one communicated where the ball was going and in that situation you need someone to shout for it and just leather the ball away and it it just not it's just not happened yeah, I think it's just frustrating you're seeing McCarthy and Salisa, they're just the, like, like I said, the, there's no communication. Most of just standing there, but like wallies. For each other. I think no one gave Salisa a shout. Exactly. And on, I don't think McCarthy called to the ball, so he was expecting Salisa to clear it. And yeah, it was, it was, it was obviously frustrating because we had that one all, but I think a lot of us would have taken a point. But momentum did fully swing into Everton's favour and they had a 10-minute spell where they were the much more dominant side. They had a lot of chances, a lot of balls flashed across the ball, uh, sorry, across the box, going just past the post. But it, it did feel like we survived it and we had the chance with Adams in the box. He decided not to shoot. He gave it to Armstrong or at least tried to give it to Armstrong and it got intercepted. And it felt that that might have been the changing point in the game because just minutes later, Decore, he got his goal. And as much as you could probably pinpoint little things that we could have done better, maybe reacted to the free kick quicker. It was a phenomenal finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of those goals where it's very frustrating. The fact where it's just an unbelievable finish. But like you said, how you can, when you watch your back, kind of look at the individual players and think, uh, you could have been a bit closer on the man or could have been just intercepted the pass. But when a player finishes the ball like that, you can't be too frustrated. At the same time, you are so frustrated. Because why are they doing that against us? I was going to say, Mikey, you're uh, for the listeners of Voice FM 103.9, don't know, you are a sports analyst. At that point, when you're like looking at your notes, do you go, <laughs> that's a phenomenal finish, or do you look at the, the small things that, that could have done been, or could have done better in the build-up? I mean, you can look at the small things. Like, every goal is preventable in some way, shape, or form. It, it, even if it's like, if it's from 35 yards out, you can sort of go, well, goalkeeping positioning. But for this, this one, I think McCarthy maybe wasn't caught in the right position. I think he got caught out slightly not covering his near post, but I'm not a goalkeeper, so I, I'm not too sure. Warprouse dove in. Um, when uh, Decore almost like fake shot and then like Cruyff and Cruyff turned or something like that, Warprouse <laughs> dived in there, um, a little bit too much as well. So he it sort of just opened the very small gap that Decore could fit it in, and he found it. Like I think I think what Jamie was saying was correct with the frustration about it is that probably like nine times out of ten that goes over the bar or that just spoons off his foot and goes wide. But it's always in the moment. It it goes right. And that's what he got right. And it does feel like that when, especially with Southampton over the last couple of years, where 
we've had chances to put games to bed or we've had chances to get back in and it's directly we've after that we've had those chances that's when the other guy like the opposition score so it, it is that sort of frustration about Takore scoring was it was the third goal inevitable you know that that I think they took full control over the game at that at that 2-1 score line and the worst thing like that was we literally subbed on two attacking players in, or not, or one in Teller, then obviously Diallo to to solidify the midfield. And as soon as that happens, a minute, literally a minute later, they get that diving header from Calvert-Lewin. It's just, it's a bit t- typical Ralph, obviously, waiting 80th minute to the substitution. And this is, at that point, is, is it, it's, either, it's either too late when it's the 80th minute, and then as soon as they come on and they score, it's just, you knew it was the game over then. And it's just sad to see. I think the criticism of the substitutions is is fair, but mm. you also, if they're doing what Ralph wants them to do, he doesn't really want to change it because substitutions can change momentum of games for the better or the, for the worse. If if it's going all right, and you know we're still in the game, if you take off like a Gineppo or like a Walcott or something like that, and you bring on a Redmond, he might not be up to speed of the game. It might take him five, 10 minutes to get into the game and all of a sudden the game's over. So maybe you'd want to keep a player out there. So it, it it's debatable in my mind. I would have liked to see a change earlier, maybe directly after us going 2-1 down. However, if Ralph's thinking this is exactly what he wants, this is those are the players he feels like will change the game, then he can keep them out there. That's fine. Substitutions aren't the be-all and end-all of a game. Right. After the break, we will have a look at our match takeaways. But first, we did a little guess who last last episode. Mikey, I mean, sorry, Ollie didn't get it correct. Mm-hmm. It's the guess who. There's three players that a current Saints player has played with, and you're going to have to try and get them. Mikey, I'm backing you for this God. one because you like you're, you're, you know you're a, you're a football man. So we're going to go for Joe Hart, Cameron Jerome, and Sebastian Larson. That's Joe Hart, Cameron Jerome, and Sebastian Larson. So everyone at home. Have a think about it. You guys have a think about it. Don't let us know just yet. You know, make sure, get it in at Saints, uh, at Saints underscore score or Voice FM, sorry, at Voice FM on Twitter or any other thing as well. Voice FM 103.9, this is the Saints score. We're giving our final thoughts on the Everton game and a little look to Man United coming up as well. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to get in contact on Voice FM radio or on our social channels as well at Saints underscore score. So guys, final thoughts on Everton as we go ahead. Um, very good question, lover. We were sloppy. We let little errors, individual errors, take us for granted. We're not going to do it, United, because we're going to be better than them. The thing is, you, you have a look, and it's it's probably the fourth season in a row where we keep. Well, I say we keep. It's the first game of the season, but it looks like <laughs> the same sort of model will happen where we have a great start, go one nil up. I think we dropped twenty three points last season from winning positions. Do you think it's a sort of a club woven thing where it's just going to be our thing where we just keep losing points or winning positions or is it something we can train out of the players because it it looks like under four different managers and under you know a squad that is con- continuously changing that the same sort of things happen so how do, how do we change this is what I want to know going into the next game so I can have some hope going into the Manchester United fixture <laughs> I think if someone had the answer for it, I think yeah, I think if someone had the answer for it, someone would know. Um, and it wouldn't be happening anymore. It is. It's. I think it is down to psychology. I think it is the psychology of the players on the pitch. It's that as soon as a goal goes in, you can sort of see them drop and they lose confidence. And especially the way that the goals are happening, it's not like quality is. Like two out of the three goals weren't quality goals. They they came from errors. And it is patterns you're seeing where it's like 15 to 20 goal a season strikers who are known for being poachers in the box, being unmarked in the six yard box while a cross is put put in. It's things like that. But you do think to yourself, like, why does this keep happening? Why isn't this something that gets pointed out? And it's probably down to the coaching. Like, if that's something that Ralph wants them to do, then that's fair play. Mark zonally, then man marking. You you just mark your area. But it's obviously not working because we've seen it on multiple occasions over what, the two, three seasons he's been here, and even previously before then. Like, I think 
Stevens has been our centre half. What he started playing under Puel, where he was like a first team member. Mm. So he 2016 ish, 2017, where he's been a first team player, and the amount of times we've seen him on a pitch where a striker hasn't been marked. You do think to yourself, why hasn't this been changed? Is, is that this looking just at coaching or is that looking at is that looking at pure quality? Because you you look at since Puel, let, let's take Puel as the time when it changed. I don't mean to be unfair on Puel, it's just an easy thing to look at. And I know we had Van Dyke at the start, we did we did lose him eventually. I think the seat I think it was the season after that. But is it a, a lack of quality compared to what we used to have? Look, these are still Premier League centre backs, these are clearly very, very good footballers. But, you know, before that time, we had the Jose Fontes, Virgil van Dijk's, Alderweireld's, and there's going to be an absolute list of names that I've completely forgotten. Dejan Lovren, for example, who, although does frustrate Saints fans now, was a fantastic servant for the year that he was here. And now you look at the Yoshidas, the Stevens, Bednarek, Salisu, uh, Wesley Hoyt we had for a while as well. You know, still good footballers, but not quite at the same level. Do you think that could be down to it as well? It could be down to it, but... It, uh, it's like a collective thing I don't think you can point it out to just it being the players yeah. or just it being coaching because surely if if you're an analyst and you've looked at goals and the, the how people score goals and you see Calvert-Lewin score goals in the penalty area from six yards out diving headers or just stabbed home finishes or anything like that surely that'd be one of the things that you point out the most is don't let him be free in that 18-yard <laughs> box. And you could just say it was good movement from Calvert-Lewin. I, I, I don't know if you can say that by running in between two centre-halves. That sure. is good movement from Calvert-Lewin, but that could also be prevented by either the second the centre-half behind him saying to the player in front, oi, there's a lad there, or the player like behind him moving over and marking him it just is sort of like a collective thing where once one mistake happens, many mistakes happen after that. So it, it's like all in the moment. It could just literally be, it was all in the moment. It was too much stimuli and you made the wrong, you made the wrong decision, which can happen. They are human. So yeah. the wrong decision can be made. However, it's repetitive wrong decisions that haven't been fixed. Yeah. I, th- I think that, that's a, that's a good answer from a man. Very good summary then. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, that, that can be the end of the Everton game. We don't have to speak about <laughs> that again, but if you do want to speak about the Armstrong goal, I'll talk to you at any point about that. But let's go to Manchester United. What should we be concerned about? You know, they've just won 5-1 against Leeds. But actually, no, before that, that what did you make of their performance, their opening day performance against Leeds United against uh, or for a packed Old Trafford? It was very impressive. It was a very impressive performance. Um, the goals scored in it were immense, in all fairness. Like There were some fantastic goals in that game. Um, but I think the, the worry going into this game is you've got Bruno Fernandes, who's just come off the back of a hat-trick. Um, and not penalties either. Um, you've also got a Paul Pogba who has just got four assists in the opening game. Uh, you've got a Luke Shaw that looks like he's performing at the level that we thought he could get to, um, not just the level that United fans thought he could get to. Um, a solid defence that only conceded, what, a 30 yarder by Luke Ayling. Um, Brilliant which- goal. Absolutely it was a fantastic goal. goal. It's just a game of good goals. That's yeah. the something that's the scary thing, especially against such a <laughs> arguably weak defensive side we are at the moment. It's but just that could also be seen as a positive. I, I know people don't like XG. <laughs> United, United only had an XG of one point eight, I think. Yeah, one point six. Yeah, one point six. Thank you, Harry. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is what we were doing at the start of last season was we were outscoring our XG and it came back and it balanced out at the end of the season where we weren't, because we weren't creating chances to score, we weren't scoring goals. United didn't create good chances to score. They just took the chances, like they took very small percentile chances of scoring and managed to get five from that. So... It's not like it's not like they ripped leads apart. They just scored very good goals. So that could be something because we play not like the exact same as Leeds, but we play a similar style in our pressing game and putting people under pressure. 
they it it can be a positive in the fact that because they didn't create a lot of chances, maybe it'll be different down here. It probably won't, but <laughs> maybe it'll be different. Be honest, Mike. You're being a very optimistic, optimistic. I think, looking at it like that. <laughs> I think like the the fact that they I know they didn't have amazingly great chances, but they put them away with worryingly good precision. I mean Greenwood for such a young <laughs> lad goes down the line and puts it away absolutely beautifully not a millimeter in the wrong way and the fact that they're going to be oozing with confidence coming down to St Mary's where our two centre backs at the moment look very devoid of confidence I'm pretty concerned that we might have a, a spanking can I say that on the radio is it, is it weird <laughs> is it, is it, it's a 9 nil possibly no no no, no no we don't use those words <laughs> we don't use, is it weird I'm scared I'm, I, I'm just weirdly excited to see a team on form with their attack. I know it's sad that it's against my team in Southampton, yeah. so yeah. I guess you could see it in that way, but just seeing brilliant players. I know the football Southampton purists will say, no, don't say that, but I just, I'm looking forward to seeing them. But, I uh, see your point, Harry. I think it's just, it's just the fact that it's against Southampton. Yeah. And it's a exactly. team that has something to prove. It's something they need to bring all these major signings in, in Varane Sancho. They need to be challenging for the title. What and do you think about those two signings? What do you think? I they... think they're unbelievable business. The fact that United were asking, we're going to pay what nearly 100 plus for Sancho last summer. Now they're paying what 78, something like that. Mm. And paying 50 million for a World Cup winner, proven Champions League winner. And then obviously, I don't know how many Spanish titles he's got, but I'm assuming he's got a fair few behind him. <laughs> it's unbelievable business from United, I think. It's, I'll say, I think if PSG aside, obviously all their free transfers, they probably had the, one of the best windows, money-wise. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at Varane, do you think he's going to play? You know, he signed in a brilliant fashion. They brought him out before the start of the game against Leeds, uh, and a, cr- a crowd that just absolutely erupted. Do you think he's going to start? Because although they did win, they did concede a goal. Although it was an absolute <laughs> real finish. That yeah, horrendous defensive error. You know? I was going to say, yeah, yeah. As soon as I said that, I was like, yeah, it's not really much they could do, but. If you've got a chance to put in Varane, surely you're going to give it a go. Yeah, I don't could, think he'll start, though. Yeah, I mean, you could see a Varane-Maguire partnership. Just, that, oh, no. That could happen. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think there's still weaknesses to the side. I think the midfield isn't particularly strong. You look at Fred and McTominay, and I know probably both of them would get in our side, but that is the weakness of the team. You look at an attacking sense as well. You're not going to get like immense tracking back from their front four. So if you can outnumber them in the midfield, or, like we we match them central midfield wise by putting more Prowse and Mayo on the two central midfielders. Like there is an opportunity there to dominate a midfield, and it probably won't. Hey, and the amount of times that I'm going to say it probably won't happen, <laughs> but there is a chance there. And you look at Romeo and you look at Ward Prowse, then it, it doesn't look like a bad thing. Well, I mean, we're going to have our home fans back at the stadium as well. I don't know if it's going to be a sellout, but it definitely should against against Manchester United. How, how good is it going to be to see a, a full St. Mary's once again for the first time in ages, absolutely ages? I think if it was against any other team than United, it would be booming. I think it's just for the fact that I think obviously with us having a very negative fan base, I think going into the game, there's not going to be that much. Well, I think um, this is the first, this is the first oh, yeah, game. Yeah, I'm arguing it's a team, it's a fan base that like boo our players for passing it backwards. I mean, I don't know about you boys, but I don't think it'd be that, that good yeah, I, unless we get a good start. I always think there's a an optimism at the start of the season that every fan has and I don't think you can lose it that quickly you know that's first game back at St Mary's I have memories of fans singing throughout the whole game the first game and the last game of the season it's got that sort of special feel when everyone's back and hasn't seen everyone you see those familiar faces and you get to see Saints after an even longer period of time than it would have been usually I think it'd be very hard to go in uh be as negative as you kind of say like that. I think I think fans will have that optimism. You you think people have almost waited two years to get back to this point. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna be especially negative on their first game back. I think you got to give the fans the benefit of the doubt. I think. 
I think there is an excitement. There is an excitement where there's a top six team when they come down to St. Mary's. There's always an excitement of we could turn them over as much. Like it, it is the possibility of us turning them over is there. And you're always excited for that. You're always excited to go and see the best players. This is what the Premier League's all about. And having that possibility of beating one of the best teams in England and maybe like definitely in the in the world, they're well renowned of like branding wise and things like that. To have that possibility will always be very exciting to have. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think Man Manchester United's above a lot of teams. I think they still hold that world-renowned status. And because of that, I think they're still the biggest scalp in the Premier League. If you can get a good result against them, I still feel that's more impressive than if you beat Manchester City or if you beat Liverpool or if you beat Arsenal, Tottenham, any of those massive teams. I think if you beat Manchester United, your own place, I think just the electricity around the game and around the whole state would be fantastic. Ollie, are you going? I am. Well, if we can get back from our little holiday away together, not just me and Harry, me and other people as well, <laughs> before um, people get concerned. Um, if we get back down on the M4 in enough time, then I'll be, uh, I'll be there, mate. I'll be there. Yeah, we'll be leaving at eight PM uh, at Bristol just to make sure that we get back. It's like we, we could, I mean, uh, eight AM. We're doing the red eye, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure we'll make sure we get back in time. But we'll look at the starting eleven. Who do you think is going to start in goal? Do you think it's going to be McCarthy again? Surely he's not going to drop him after one game. I, I would like it to be Forster. However, I don't think Ralph will do that to him, to McCarthy. I think he'll let McCarthy embarrass himself against United. Then they'll stop him <laughs> over. That's harsh. That's that very is, that's, harsh. I know you like Forster, Jamie, but you can't... You, you, yeah, that's, that's not... Come on, really, boys. What's going to happen in this game? I think... No, so, 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 so starting 11. But Jamie, yeah. it's your it's your first oh. appearance on the radio, man. You can't be this negative. Like you <laughs> yeah, have so much positivity about you. I am a very optimistic Southampton fan. It may not come across this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not just my Twitter right on the argument show. this week. It's just <laughs> you've literally mentioned the possibility of another nine nil happening. Like that yeah. is not it's positivity at all. Five one against Leeds. <laughs> Sorry, I, I did somehow really look optimistic, which is for the for the, uh, the old <laughs> listeners. You'd realise that Mikey's not normally takes that side. It's hey, strange. It's, We've it's, got it's, it's basically the United game is basically a free hit. It's, it's, yeah, we're not expected to get a win out of it. You might as well just turn up, enjoy it, and hope for three hey, points. Mikey, like, in that case, who do you think's going to be in the starting lineup? Who's going to be in the starting lineup? I can't. I, I think Ben Rec will return to the starting eleven. Ralph likes him, um, so he'll probably be in there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Stuart Armstrong make a return either, probably yes. replacing one of Gineppo or Walcott. I think we missed someone coming inside and exploiting that space in the middle that not having an attacking midfielder in there does. I can see us keeping Che and Armstrong up top as well. Um, just to try and develop that partnership. I would like to see Tino play higher, but I don't think that will happen. Yes, um, I think it will happen at some point, though. Yeah, not not at the moment. I can't see him play higher. However, it might be something that Ralph is in, especially with how strong their left-hand side is. Having Tino, who's a good, solid right-back, and having Carl Walker-Peters there as well, probably will help deal with the threat of it's Pogba and Shaw on that left hand side, isn't it? Yeah, so... scary stuff. Four, four assists from Pogba. Shut up, Jamie. Last game. <laughs> Last game, four assists. Crazy. Oh, I mean. Jolly, yeah. any changes from the team? Because last time we, we did okay, but there's obviously clear weaknesses throughout the team. Yeah. yeah, I think the boys have got it pretty much spot on, I think. Um it might be interesting to see what Walker Peters would do on that right hand side. I'd want to see Stuart back. I think he's very good progressing the ball. Um, I think the starting two strikers did well. I think it's just a couple of changes, really. Nothing, don't, don't uh, ruin the whole dynamic, just uh, a couple of changes where it's necessary. One thing I would say is I thought um, our left hand side worked really well with Gineppo and Parade. I thought they worked really well in interchanging with each other, running down the wing. Is this, I think Gineppo, obviously. Rant got stuck in the box a few times, but to get in that position to get a skilling pass all those players, I thought it was really good. I think he'll that's why I think he'll keep his place over um Walcott. Yeah. Armstrong coming in. 
Right, so that was our starting eleven. After this little short break, we'll be predicting the scoreline. I think we already know what Jamie's going to say, but I'll ask Ollie and Mikey what they think as well. Remember, we're having a little guess who, so a player that's played with all these three players, who's a current Saints player. So there's Joe Hart, Cameron Jerome, and Sebastian Larson. Get your answers in at, at Saints underscore score or at Voice FM Radio. And if you've missed anything, make sure to hit us up or look at you know your current podcasting platform or the catch-up on voicefm.co.uk. This is the Saints score on Voice FM 103.9 as well as all your good podcasting platforms. If you've missed anything so far, if you're one of our live listeners on a Saturday 12 till 2, make sure to head to the catch-up service on the website or you know any of the podcasting platforms that you are listening to or... Oh, Fuck that up. Give me a sec. <laughs> you uh, go really well, Tizard. It was yeah, so no, good I, start I, and you went podcasting host about four times and then... Yeah, I know. As soon as <laughs> oh, I said yeah, that, yeah. I was like, I'm binning this off. I'm binning this off. Yeah, a little second to relax, eh? Three, two. This is a Voice FM 103 point... No, I did it the wrong way around. Did it the wrong way around. Harry, no, I was to restart my timer here, man. Apologies, apologies. <laughs> This is the Saints score on Voice FM 103.9, as well as all your good podcasting platforms. If you're a live listener on a Saturday 12-1 and you've missed something, make sure to head over to the catch-up site or, you know, whatever podcasting platform you so desire. Saints score on, you know, anywhere you want to search you up. And if you want to get in contact with us, it's at Saints underscore score or at Voice FM radio on social media anywhere right we've done all of our manchester united preview bar the score prediction what do you guys think is going to happen well i think it'll be a good game of football and very entertaining to watch we've got mr positive first here we go jamie. <laughs> do you mean as a neutral or do you mean as a saints as a neutral, fan it'll be a brilliant game to watch but um, i think as a saints fan it might be a tough one because i think i'll go one or two ways of us getting a bit battered or a surprise win to stop United's unbeaten streak of away games, that is. Say, I guess it is, away, yeah. it is one game, but they, they are beaten. But I know what you mean. They're away, they're away one. So which one are you going to go for? Your your personal side, you know, what you think in your heart, or what I said to Ollie last... Uh, um, um, for my brain thinking, I think maybe... Uh, uh, well, last episode, your journalistic nil. side, your your brain. 6-0 Man United oh, that win. Is, that... With a heart, maybe a 1-0 Southampton. <laughs> your brain says a 6 I can't Still, believe that's really, that really hurts, anyway. I'm sorry, but it's, it's Man United, man. Yeah, I know. The optimist right. in me says, oh, we could maybe nick like a, a 2 1 or something. You know, they try and bring too many changes into an already good side. It doesn't quite click. We grab a couple of goals, bang, 2 1. However, that's a very small, extremely positive side of me. I think the realist is thinking probably a free one in the other way. I think they might just have too much quality. So, sadly, I think it might be a 2-1 or a 3-1. Come on, Mikey, you can bring the life into the this part of the podcast. <laughs> what are you going to say? 3-2 Southampton. We're not going to keep a clean sheet. However, we can score goals. Which is what Do you remember we when we won 3-2 and Calvin Davis saved the penalty from um, Rob Van Persie? Didn't we, we lose 3-2? Oh, oops. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen us beat Manchester United at home, ever. I think that's probably the only team. I've seen us beat Manchester City, seen us beat Tottenham. Actually, one of my earliest games I remember is going to Saints, is seeing Saints um, playing United in the FA Cup. I think when we were in League One, I think it was. And it's a good game. I think we lost anyway, but it's just really cool seeing those cool, really established England players. I, I think at that point... One. As as youngsters as we were, and, and still are, you know, in, in the great scheme of things, I, I don't think I ever thought we were going to get to the Premier League. So it was mm. that, that dream FA Cup League One sort of thing where most League One clubs stay at that sort of level. Sometimes they go to the Championship, you know, you, you have a look at Burton, sometimes they get relegated. They sort of they sort of stay within that sort of realm. Yeah. So you never think you're going to play against, at the time, the, the top players. Sadly, they did um, rest Ronaldo, so I, I was very upset. 
I th- oh, that might have been the game before actually that they arrested Ronaldo. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was. Yeah, we played we played him in the FA Cup when we were in the Championship, I believe, and we lost three um, nil. And then there was the League One that Richard Chaplow scored that half volley. Um, that we lost two one to. I think in, that, in in that first one I was there and they didn't play Ronaldo. That was that was gutting. I think I think that was gutting not seeing Ronaldo play. Yeah. Right. So, Mikey, you said three two. You're gonna you're gonna flip the score from last season. Are they gonna score two first, and then when we're, we're gonna score three, or are you gonna go a bit more? I mean, calm? that would be incredible if that happened. <laughs> it wouldn't be fun in the stadium for what, the first what sixty odd minutes. I, yeah. I think it would just be quite a back and forth game um, with a lot of goals. Yeah, I, my my journalist size would say <laughs> a sad. 2-0 loss. I think Bruno Fernandes and Pogba might run right. Greenwood, you know, when he made his, I believe it was his Manchester United debut two seasons ago against us when it was a one-all draw. He looked quite sharp there as a 17-year-old. Now, he looks like a, a full-grown professional that just scores goals for fun. So that does scare me. But obviously, I think Saints can win. And I say, think Saints will win. Uh, oh, so so I will I will just go for a 1-0, a happy 1-0 where I'm nervous the entire game, but somehow we do it the Saints way and we just we just scrape through. Um, but yeah, that's our Manchester United preview. Once again, we are recording this on a Monday because Ollie and I are going on an individual holiday, so we can't get any closer because our time schedules don't allow us. So if only any of our team news or predictions, so if you know Greenwood gets injured or something... Uh, that's that's why. Uh, but now we're going to talk about fancy football. Ollie did help me a bit last week. He yeah. gave me a few tips for fancy football. And I don't know if it worked, Ollie. What did you finish on last week? Uh, I got 90 points, which I was very oh, happy with. Um, I thought what did I you get? I, thought I, was right. I got 86. I was really happy really with that. Then oh, you, I, you, I had a bit of a stinker, boys. Strut in and do well. Jamie, what, what, what I only got 55. Ollie? Who didn't perform? Who did you think that was going to perform? I had my front three, Vardy, Captain Ings, and Callum Wilson. You started then, well. Then, no, but, but, but here's the thing. Then half an hour before the deadline, I thought, you know what? I'll whack in Ivan Tony, get a Callum Wilson. Oh. So that went downhill from there. Really? And then my midfielder, Stuart Dallas, Grealish, Havertz, and Fernandez. So obviously the Fernandez was good. Then Havertz wasn't starting. Then my defence was Maguire. Tierney and Diaz and we think and Martinez and goal it was all ones and twos across the board it is not a good day for Jamie Allen yeah oh and six points on the bench from um, the Liverpool left back so that, that's the most painful that's one the stinker yeah. Yeah, I had that. see Ollie's always quite boring because he just wins oh, every year <laughs> no it's successful is the word you mean but I still had uh, yeah um, how do you say the left back's name Tikimas. Tikimas. I'm not too sure. Oh, I'm going to go for Tikimas. that. Yeah. I don't know. Tikimas. I had. Yeah, that probably sounds better. Yeah, that do. Yeah, I had him and Ailing both on my bench with Shaw and Dinier not getting more than three points between the two of them. So that was kind of frustrating because otherwise I would have had over a hundred points. But Salah and Bruno, come on, they're essentials. Um, yeah. Had Salah captain, which I was quite happy with, uh, and Antonio and Ings both got goals as well. So they were basically the majority of my points. So I was pretty happy. Pretty good week. Mikey? Yeah, I got 80. So not not as good as you two, not as bad as Jamie, just one <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, Fernandes and Salah basically carried me this week. And Chris Wood is a long-term investment that will get 10 to 15 goals this season. So yeah. that will be okay. He's not leaving the team. Chris Wood is staying. <laughs> Is he your mainstay? See, I, I agree with Ollie. If you don't have Salah and you don't have Fernandez, I don't know what you're doing. They will provide goals left, right and centre. They're minimum 15 goals a season. We'll get assists along the way as well. I was really happy with my front three, Ings, Calvert-Lewin and Armstrong. I think between them, they'll get 30 to 40 goals. So unless one again, one of them gets injured... I, I don't think I'm going to change that either. The back line was a bit dodgy. You know, Target didn't have his best game, subbed off after 45 minutes. I think they were 3-0. Oh, no, I believe they were 2-0 down at the time. I think he was having a horrid time against Ismailisar. And that, that does scare me for Watford when they come to us because he did well in his debut season against us. So I don't know what he's going to do now. Uh, Kufal, brilliant game. West Ham 4, Newcastle 2. But, you know, when you can see two goals as a defender, there's not much you can do. To skim as Mikey correctly pronounced, he got me six points. 
And uh, Ben White, who was an absolute shirt in my team, she's only 4.5 million, only got one point as well. So if you want to join the Voice FM 103.9 League, go and type in 9H0Z48. I'll say that again, 9H0Z48 to join the Radio League and try and beat us for You'll probably do it. Uh, maybe not Ollie, but I think I start hey. as well with eight six oh, I points. I just joined using that code now. Harry, Fantastic! And it works. Next next week I'll, I'll ask you all where you are in the league, and hopefully I'm I'm near the top, but I'm not too sure. Right, the last piece of Saints news: we've seen Vestergaard go out the door. We were talking about it last episode, but we weren't linked with anyone at the time. Now we're linked to the whole bunch of players, as you would do near the end of the transfer window. <laughs> Toto Narabio from Fulham. I think he, is he still at Fulham? I'm pretty yeah. sure. You've got Gary Cahill and you've also got Joe Worrell from Nottingham Forest. Out of the three of those, which one do you think is the most likely to happen? Which one do you want to see happen? Because there can be two completely different things. I, I would like to see... i say my Hugo, mate. Hugo. Hugo. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, w- I think we'll sign Joe Worrell. I think that will probably be the one that we're most likely to go for. Probably because, well, he's not the cheapest option. Gary Cahill's available for a free, but probably wages and bonuses and who probably wants a coaching role as well at this point too um i think joe war is the most likely uh three i would like to see tossing out he would be the one that i would want us to see because i was really impressed with how like physicality wide he was um for fulham he was brilliant i, I thought he had quite a good season even if they even when they did go down i thought he had quite a good season um, but Joe Worrell is probably the most likely because of the fact that he won't be a lot of money. He's, I think he's 22, is he? Or something 24. like that. 24. 24. He fits the philosophy of saying yeah. it's 24 and below. I think they're both 24, aren't they? Tossing out the bio is 24, I'm, I'm isn't he? Sure. Would you not want to see um, either of us signing one of those players and bringing Gary Cahill as a bit of a leadership because we'd lose that in Ryan Bertrand? I think the problem is there that we'd have five centre backs, and I just I don't think the squad would be happy with that overall. Mm. You know, in that case, only two out of the five could start, and I know that seems an obvious thing. But when three of Salisu, Benarek, Stevens, Cahill, Worrell, or Adarabai, depending on who you sign, doesn't start, there will be a level of unrest. Personally. I know a lot of Saints fans probably won't agree with this. I say a lot. I think a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter didn't mind the links with him. But I'd really like to see Gary Cahill. He's an experienced player. He knows how to win. I think he's well. Not think. I know he's won the Premier League <laughs> under Conte. He won the Champions League, and he's been there and done it. He's a Premier League experienced player, and I think that's someone that we need. I know at the moment, I think our average centre back age is about twenty four. For me, that's not enough, especially when you don't have have any proven winners in there i think that's something that's grossly underrated when you don't have a you can have a captain of a team but when you've got a captain individually and a leader of the defense i think that's what we've really been missing for the last four years someone that genuinely genuinely knows how to marshal a defense even though he is 35 and probably isn't as quick as the other options but i think you know mentally experienced if you put him next to Salisa, you just get a perfect combination of experience and youth put together i think it's also it might it might turn into a bit of a Theo Walcott role if you bring in a Gary Cahill where you're not expecting to start the games but you will start the odd few um, probably probably won't even he'll probably hit like 5 maybe 10 appearances if he does come to us because of the fact that we've got a lot of young centre halves and I know they talk the, the whole Southampton philosophy is building experienced players so you'll bring in like a 22 23 year old he'll build experience over 4 years and then you'll sell him on as an experienced Premier League centre half that's the point of it. So I understand where we're coming from. The problem is that they've got no one to learn off of. And also you, you do look at our coaching staff as well. There's not a lot of ex-players in there. Or it doesn't feel like there is. So there's not someone to look up to. Like the, the players, you, yeah. the players we, you're looking we, up to have all gone. We're making experienced players for other teams. Like we don't get, <laughs> yeah. have, once they get the experience, they're off. So I feel like I know it's against the philosophy, but I feel like we just benefit so much by having an older head in there. Even if it's not Gary Cahill, someone that's 27, 28, been there, done it, got the t-shirt, even if they, you know, may not have won as much. I just feel having a, a, a good age defender, because you look at one side, you've got Perard, who's still relatively experienced, Liveramento, 18, Walker-Peters, 
must only be 23, 24. Salisu still very young. I know the goalkeepers are, you know, plus 30, but in that back line, it's just so young. And when you're coming up against experienced strikers that have, you know, you're, you're in the Premier League, for goodness sake, they know what they're doing. I think it's it could be dangerous if we don't get an experienced head in there. It's also like you look at the academy and you see Oli Lankar, um, who's obviously ex-Southampton player, played for us in League One. He's come in to be that experienced head in the academy setup and to be someone they learn off of. And he plays at centre-half, he plays at left centre-back for them. So maybe that's something we need for the first team as well, is that experienced head. Because you could you can argue with Harry saying before, our defence being so young, it needs that sort of experienced head like our academy does. Yeah. Right. Well, sorry, James, you want to add something there? I was going to say, I was trying to find um, Ollie's, Ollie's surname. So I was going to bring up that point, but Mikey beat me to it. right we're coming towards the end of the show thank you very much for listening but we do have the guess who part where i've named three players that have played with a current saints player for those that have just joined us it's joe hart cameron jerome and sebastian larson so guys have you got any thoughts i know the answer i want to hear jamie say it did the player did the person i must say did he play for norwich and birmingham city he did indeed, but is it you... Nathan Red? Oh, oh no! Yeah, no, you say it. You just go for it. Just go Nathan for Redmond. it. Nathan Redmond. Is it well done, Mikey? Nathan... Did you have that as well? Oh. Was that the yeah, man that I, I had Nathan Redmond down as well. Yeah. See, Ollie everyone. struggled with the Shane Long one last year. Uh, not last year, last week. Ollie, did you get anywhere near this one? Yeah, of course I did, mate. Definitely got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's one all between between you two. Ollie's still got zero points because I think he needed hey. about three clues from last year. So <laughs> That's not fair. because we're gonna be back every week, I'll make sure to keep a little track diary of this across the 38 game season. So uh, it's currently one all between Jamie and Mikey. If you did get it at yes. home, remember to hit us up at Voice FM Radio on Twitter on Facebook, on anything that you, you know, personally prefer or at Saints underscore score as well. And, you know, if you're enjoying the show, please get in contact, say you love it or leave us a review on the podcasting platform that, you know, you prefer. It does really, really help us out. But that's our first week or first week done as a as a four. Jamie, Mike, have you enjoyed it? It's been a pleasure to be here on Voice FM, boys. Mm. I'd thank everyone who gave you this opportunity to be here. Oh, it's been great. Enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear my Ollie where can they find us for you know just us two us two if you want to hear us on Wednesdays we'll be joining you lunch times if you want to hear us play some music have chats let us know we've been going on our week if you want to join us make sure you uh, tune in at Voice FM Radio 103.9 honestly those those Wednesdays are absolutely yeah. brilliant 12 till 2 <laughs> I you know, personally we, listen to it. I find that entertaining. What's your favourite part of it, Actually, Jamie? That's what I want to know. I like it when you respond to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah. we're interactive. We'll play any song that you guys want as well. So make yeah. sure to hit us up there at Voice FM Radio. Tweet us, email us. I, honestly, I can't remember the email, so I do apologise because we're not <laughs> in the studio. Uh, it's yeah. Voice FM uh, Studio at voicefmradio.co.uk. There you go. Yeah. Well, Harry, so, is it time to say goodbye? Yeah. I think it is time to say goodbye. This has been the Saints score for the second week. Next week, hopefully we'll be reacting to a fantastic Manchester United win. Who have we got next week, Ollie? Is it Newcastle and Newport? Uh, so we'll react to the Newport game and the Newcastle one as well. We'll preview the Newcastle one and hopefully we'll have three points on the board and we'll be into the third round of the Carabao Cup. <laughs>